0: A little boy took his baseball bat and baseball went out in the backyard. And as he stood out there, he yelled out, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And he threw up the baseball and with all his might, he swung at it, strike one. He reached down, picked up the ball and proclaimed again, I am the greatest hitter in the world. And he threw the ball up and swung at it, strike two. He looked at it, picked it up for the third time, threw it up in the air, and with all his might, he swung at it, strike three. And he stood there for a minute looking at that ball, and he picked it up and said, with a smile on his face, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. (laughs) We probably are all somewhat like that little boy. This past year we had some hits, we had some misses. There were some of you who got married, there were some of you who got a divorce. There were some who received a promotion at work and others who lost their job. There were some who gained some weight and there were others who lost some weight. And I want you to know that many of us resent that. (laughs) But the thing I want to share with you is that no matter what happened last year, Keep swinging. Don't ever quit. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, and he said, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, as Paul was writing to the Philippians, he said, I have not arrived, I have not met all my goals, I am not there, he said, but I I continue to press on. I don't quit. And that is my encouragement to you today as we have entered into a new year. Regardless as to what has happened last year, press on. Keep swinging. Take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 34. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land Gilead, as far as Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, and the Negev, and the plain and the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying... I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was one hundred and twenty years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. So the sons of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. As we consider our subject today, we recognize that there is some unfinished business. There are some goals that we have not attained, some things we have not done. And that was true with Moses in this passage of Scripture. You recall that his destination was the promised land. The Lord had met him at the burning bush and commissioned him to be the one who was going to lead the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. The Lord provided him with everything he needed. He sent plagues to Pharaoh, to Egypt, to force the release of the Hebrew people. When they were in the wilderness, they came to the Red Sea. The Egyptian army was behind them, the Red Sea in front of them. And the Lord parted that so that they could go across on dry land. When they needed food to eat, God gave them manna to eat. When they needed water, He supplied them with water. So the Lord met all of their needs as they were traveling through the wilderness. And yet, Moses did not go into the promised land. You'll notice there in verse number 4, Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. There is an etching of Moses done by the 19th century artist Frederick Layton, Sir Frederick Layton. It shows him standing there at the ledge overlooking the promised land, and one eye is looking forward and one eye is sort of drooping, looking down as if he's nodding off. He was able to see the promised land, but he did not enter in to the promised land. We have some goals that we have not met. We have some business that is not finished. We know that when a politician is running for re-election, he always says, Now, give me one more term that I might finish what is left to do. At the end of football season, baseball season, basketball season, the coach says we didn't reach all our goals this year, but we're going to work during the off-season so that we might end the next uh, season. As Christians, we also have some goals that we probably didn't meet as we look back to 2007. There are some of you who would look back and say, you know, I didn't pray last year as I wanted to. I really wanted to trust the Lord in my prayer life. I wanted prayer to become more meaningful in my life last year. To be honest, that didn't happen with me. Or you might look back into 2007 and say, I, I didn't witness like I planned to at the beginning of 2007. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. That was my intention. That I wanted to share the good news that means so much to me with other people, but to be... Candid, I, I didn't do that. I didn't reach that goal. There are some of you who would look back to the year that has just ended and say, well, you know, I, I had planned to, to tie this last year. I was going to trust the Lord in this area of my life, but I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. There are some goals that we did not reach. There's some unfinished business that we all have. Well, we can't eliminate it, but we can reduce it. As you think about the unfinished business in your life, the, the goals that you did not reach in 2007, we need to do what we can to, uh, to eliminate as many as we are, to reduce as much as we can, because we probably won't eliminate it. Well, let me ask you about your relationships. Is there something in your relationship that, that as you look back, you say, I, I need to do a better job in this area, or I need this relationship to be a little stronger, a little, little more meaningful? I have been pastor long enough to, on many occasions, to have been at funerals and so forth. And I hear someone speaking to the deceased, saying things to them that I think those things should have been said when the person was alive. Is there someone to whom you need to apologize? I know apologies have become cheap in in recent years because they are demanded and we hear everyone apologizing today. I'm not sure that they mean a great deal to be truthful with you. They sort of remind me at times when I would do something as a little boy to my brother and my mother would make me apologize. And I'd do it just because I didn't want it, but it it didn't mean anything. But is there someone in your relationships not right with that person? And perhaps you need to apologize or you need to make that relationship right. Does someone need to hear you express love to them? Now, it could be that you really love them, but they need to hear you say it. You have all heard the story about the wife who said to her husband, Why don't you tell me that you love me? You, 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 you told me before we got married, why don't you tell me that you love me? And he said, I, I told you when we got married, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Well, unfortunately, there are many of us who are that way, and, and we don't express love as we should. You know, it was during the Christmas pageant. Steve, I was, I was sitting up there in the balcony, and I was watching, and, and my heart was so touched. And I look at over the congregation that I look at over on Sunday morning. Folks, I love you. I, I want you to know that I really do. I love you so much. Now, you know, I mean, I like some of you better than I do others, but I really love you. I mean, I really do. You are the best people in the world, and I thank God for you. And it is such an honor and a privilege for me to stand before you. Is there someone to whom you need to express love? Is there someone to whom you need to give approval? Well, we know that there are a lot of people who grow up and they have problems in adulthood because we are told that they did not receive approval from someone when they were young. So I just ask you about your relationships, whether it's with family or someone else. Is there something that needs to be done to, to make that relationship better? What about your personal enrichment, those things that you need to do, that you've been planning to do, but that you haven't done? Maybe it's it's to further your education. You've been planning to do that. You wanted to do that, but you haven't done it. Or perhaps it's to take a class somewhere. Well, This is a time to do it. To travel. I have people say, well, you know, one of these days I'm going to take some trips. How old are you? I'm 85, but, you know, we're saving up for it. Let me tell you something, folks. You're going to do it. You better get it done. Vacation that you're planning, a book that you're going to read, whatever it is for personal enrichment, what do you need to do? Well, what about spiritual commitments? What about those things? If you've never committed your life to Christ to receive Jesus as your Savior, there is no better time than now. What about service to the Lord? I thought when God called me to preach, that was a real struggle for me. But I am so thankful that the Lord called me in that, even though reluctantly that I, I answered His call. What about church membership? There are some of you, and God has spoken to your heart about being a part of this family. You need to do that. Reduce any unfinished business. I'm saying that if there's some things that are left over, you might not eliminate all of them, but you can reduce them. And you should do that. Then remember your unfinished dreams. Don't give up on them. Rekindle them. Two little boys was decided that they were going to dig a hole to China. So they're going to dig through the earth to China. Well, they were out there with their little shovels and stuff, digging all day long. Well, it got dark, and as it was getting dark, one of them turned to the other because their mothers were calling them in. He turned to the other and he said, You know, even if we don't get all the way to China, look at the neat stuff we found on the way. You might not get all the way to China, but folks, there's a lot of neat stuff on the way. Your dreams are important. They are important. Benson Franklin said, when you let your dreams die, something dies within you. You see, our dreams guide us. It is the dreams that we have on the inside that guide our lives. It is dreams of education that causes us to to enroll in college. It is dreams of a family that causes us to get married. But the dreams that we have, the dreams that you have, they guide us and they motivate us. Joseph was motivated by his dreams. Joseph faced some tough times. You are aware of that. His brother sold him into slavery. And then he became a servant to Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of attempted rape, and he ended up in prison, and so forth. And yet, as I I read the story about Joseph, and one of the things that is so attractive to me about him is that he was always motivated by his dreams. It was his dreams that kept him going. Jacob was motivated by his dreams. Jacob had a dream. Now, he saw Rachel and fell in love with her. You know, she must have been a pretty girl, but he fell in love with her decided he was going to marry her. And uh, so he made a deal with her father that he would serve seven years for her. And uh, they agreed on that deal. After seven years, it's time for Jacob and Rachel to get married. And so they had the ceremony and that culture, and so... Jacob woke up the next morning and looked over in the daylight, and it wasn't Rachel. It was Leah. And so he went to the father-in-law and said, what's, what's the deal here? I've been serving for Rachel, and, and it's Leah. And he said, well, she's the oldest. She should have gotten married first. Well, he was still motivated by his dream, so he made a deal that he'd serve another seven years. And he served another seven years Always motivated by that dream. It was that dream that kept him going, that that belief that this was going to be his wife and that kept him going. I look at First Baptist Church and through our history, we've had some challenges, have we not? But it's always been our dream. It's always been our faith. Folks, I, I could not overly emphasize to you the importance. You see, we can sit down and put everything out on paper. We can figure everything out. But it is our faith, it is our dream, it is our belief that keeps us going. Now, we just witnessed that, as I mentioned uh, earlier, concerning our giving in, in, in the December. We sit down with a piece of paper and we figure it out. Where's the money coming from? It's not coming. But it is that dream, it is that faith in God, that belief in God, that if we are doing what God wants us to do, that God provides when He leads. It is always that dream. Now, dreams are important, but they're always discouraged. There's always the cold water committee. They'll throw water on your dreams. I heard a song on the radio not long ago. I don't even know what it is, but I remember one phrase in it. It says, every time I make my mark, somebody paints the wall. Have you ever felt that way? Every time I make my mark, somebody paints the wall. There's always someone to discourage you. Sometimes it's friends. I remember in our first little church, now, I mean, I look back, and 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 uh, it's a little bit of church. part time, I was in school, and the church was part time. It was on it, the church was right here, and there was a dead end here, and there was a dead end here, and there was a dead end there. And I, I asked the chair, I asked the deacon when we had a deacon, Vernon Gibson. And I asked him, I said, Vernon, how in the world did you end up putting a church here? I mean, we're surrounded by dead ends. And he said, Well, the land was given to us. And I said, well, that's the most expensive land you could have gotten. But I remember being there, and I was thinking, you know, this little old church, and uh, it ran about 40 my first Sunday there, 15 of them left, because uh, they were mad at the pastor search committee calling me and all that. And so I was just growing that thing right on down to nothing. But I, I believe that, I believe just a little while, we're going to be running a 1,000 in attendance. And John Bassanio came over and someone asked him, said, what potential does your church have? And I was fixing to tell him, hey, well, we're going to run a 1,000 probably in six, seven months. And John said, it doesn't have any potential. Well, there's always somebody who is going to, to throw water on your dream. I mean, he was right, but you know, it was devastating to me. Sometimes it's human limitations that, think, that make, cause us to think that our dreams can't be fulfilled. I look at Caleb. He was too old to claim that mountain, but he never lost his dream. I look at Zacchaeus. He was too short to see Jesus, but he climbed a tree, and he never lost his dream. Sometimes it's human limitations. We, we, God gives us a dream. We think, well, you know, I can't, I can't do it. I think probably it is fear that punctures more of our dreams than anyone else, the fear of ridicule. The fear of failure. So we don't swing because we're scared we'll strike out. My, my grandson, Hank, loves baseball. And I've gone out this past summer and I saw him play a number of times. But early on when he was playing, I could see that he was tentative as he would stand there to bat. And uh, he would stand there and he was sort of holding eyes out there one time. And I tell him, he's looking for a walk. And after it was finished, I, said, I went over to him and I said, son... If you go down, go down swinging. Don't go down looking for a walk. I mean, if you strike out, so what? You might hit the ball. But don't just stand there. So pursue your dreams. They're important. There's always someone to discourage them. Pursue your dreams. If they are from God, take them seriously and never give up on them. There is an old fable that tells a story about a nightingale that would trade a feather every day for A worm. And as time went by, this transaction was made. A feather was given for a worm. And as time went by, the nightingale had given away too many feathers to be able to fly any longer. And you see, dreams, dreams are the feathers on which we fly. It is our dreams that allow us to fly. And if you give up on too many of them, then you lose the ability to fly. So pursue them, test them. Ask a question about the origination of the dream. Is it from God? Is the dream I have, that that is in my heart, did God place it there? What about its purpose? If my dream is fulfilled, if it is achieved, then what will the results be? Will the kingdom be built up if my dream is fulfilled? Will God use the fulfillment of my dream to build up the kingdom? Will society be made better? Will my community be strengthened? If my dream is fulfilled, then who is going to be benefited? Or is it just selfishness? I just want my dream to be fulfilled because of what it does for me. Now, if it's from God, then trust it. Go forward with it. Pass it on. Teach it to others. Second Timothy 2, 2, Paul wrote, "...the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses..." These entrust to the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. If your dream is from God, then share it with someone else. Now Moses passed his dream on to Joshua. Look at verse number 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. You see, Moses passed his dream on to Joshua. Joshua took the people into the promised land. Jesus passed his dream on to the church. Martin Luther King passed his dream on to America. And if your dream is from God, you should pass it on. Parents, are you passing your dreams on to your children? Pass your dream on. Share it with others. You might be like Moses, not going into the promised land, but maybe those to whom you pass it will be like Joshua. And then relinquish your unfinished dreams. What I mean by that is don't give up on them, but relinquish control of them. Give that to God, whether they are fulfilled or they are not fulfilled. Moses' dream was not fulfilled. He did not get to go into the promised land, but... He was commended by God. Look at verse number 10. Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. You see, there is a difference in the standard of success between man and between God. Our standard of success is this. If my dream is fulfilled, then I'm successful. If my prayer is answered affirmatively, then my prayer is successful. So, We see success as my dream being fulfilled. God measures success by our faithfulness. Jesus was faithful to the Father, though he was crucified on the cross. Moses did not enter into the promised land, but he was faithful to the Father. And ladies and gentlemen, the key is to be faithful. The key is to be faithful. You may not go into the promised land, but pursue it for all your worth and be faithful to God. And that is success. Now, let me conclude. Do you have any unfinished business that you need to reduce? Well, if you've never been saved, if you've never come to trust Jesus Christ as Savior, there is no better time than today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. There's no better time. Well, what about service? Is the Lord calling you into ministry? Is the Lord calling you to do something? There's no better time to do that than now. Just like Bill. I remember when Bill left here. There's no better time. What about church membership? Do you need to do that? You've been talking about it. You've been thinking about it. You say you've been praying about it. Is there a better time than today? When I was writing the sermon, I found a little story. I love this story. It it, it, it is... And, in fact, uh, when we were with our family last week, I shared it with my family. Now, I want to share it with you as we close. There was an expert on time management who had been invited to a class to speak to the students. And he gave his lecture. And after he concluded his lecture, he reached down and took up a gallon jar and put it on the desk that was filled with large rocks. And he asked the students, is this jar full? And one of them said, yes. And so then he reached over and got some gravel and poured in there and shook it around a little bit and the gravel went in. And he said, "Uh, is this jar full now? Well, the students didn't know exactly where he was going, so they weren't going to commit themselves. They didn't say anything. And then he reached over and he took some sand And he poured the sand in and shook it around, and some sand went in. And he said, is this jar full now? And they continued to look. And he reached over and got some water and poured some water in. And he said, now, what is the lesson that we learn from this illustration? And one of the students said, no matter how full your schedule might be, there is always room for something else. And he said, no, that is not the lesson. He said, the lesson is this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in. What are the big rocks? It is knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is serving Him with a pure heart. It is being involved in His work. And my friend, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in. Something else will always take precedence and priority if you don't put the big rocks in first. As we've come to this Sunday, beginning this new year, that is my challenge and encouragement to you today, put the big rocks in. Do it today. Our gracious Father and God, as we come to a time of invitation, I pray, Lord, that You will speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that we will commit our lives to You. For those who have never trusted Jesus, I pray that they will be saved. For those who should join the church, I pray that this will be the day that they do that. Bless this invitation, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. The choir will sing. I'll meet you here. You come. Put the big rocks in today. Stand with me, please, as we sing together. You come and I'll greet you as you do.